The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Pootie and Peanate did that backwards this time. And Dave in Garage Mahal, living the dream. How you Wetsy, doing, my friend? Wetsy. Wetsy. Remember, he, he gets a nickname too. He, well, I, I call him that. Do we ever call him that on the podcast? I don't know. But Sam now, Guy Dave? But now you're getting a, a peek behind the curtain. You're seeing the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes, and that is Dave the Sound Guy. <laughs> Dave, who does all of the work for the podcast. It's true. It's true. We, we show up, we talk, we leave. It's Including great. providing Garage Mahal. I just got a text the other day, by the way, from uh, somebody in the congregation who's like, I didn't realize you did a podcast at a place called Garage Mahal. And he's like, where is that exactly? I'm like, at an undisclosed location. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. You, you undisclosed. Like, I don't tell people where it is either. Yeah. I don't know why. I just like it I'm feels like it's the Bat Cave. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't want other people to have good, like as good a sounding. I'm going to boast here, but I actually think our podcast sounds the best. Oh, it does like, for sure. So I, I don't want other people to be able to use. It just sounds you, like you're in the room with us, doesn't it? Like right now, listener, you're listening. Doesn't sound like you're right in the room. You can hear me breathing, which is like <laughs> not normal, always great, but which isn't great, but it, it's a thing but if it's, you live it's near real. Me. It's real. It's um, raw. Who are we, Nate? We are the Rebel Podcast. We're the Rebels, be Nate and Pootie. We are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. You can download the app, and we're on the Canadian side of things, along with uh, Dr. Aaron Rock and uh, the Ezra Institute. We're happy to be part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast family. Uh, you can also just, uh, all on one feed now, if you subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to the Master Fight, Laugh, Feast Network feed, we're on there as well. It's just great content and a lot of great guys who are, who are fighting it back against everything that's going on in the culture. And I actually think that, I don't know how many of them listen to other podcasts. We listen to a bunch of the other podcasts. Here, I'm going to put you on the spot. You always oh put me on the spot. Oh Here, what's your favorite other podcast on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network? Probably the Reform Pubcast. Like, yeah. So. Or Pugcast, right? What did I say? Podcast? Yeah. Pugcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually just finished both of those guys' books. So oh, yeah. I just finished uh, Yeah, I just finished Household War for the Cosmos, however you say yeah. it, and Slaying Leviathan, which has been on like you know when you have a TBR like yeah. and it's like it's two years out. Yeah, yeah. So like it's nice when you finally get to it. And I just did that on Audible and I gave it five stars if you're listening. CR <laughs> Wiley, you got four. Uh, just, <laughs> no. just, just um, I actually Household War for the Cosmos is one of my favorite books that I read a couple years ago and I just I'm halfway through his new one in the house of Tom Bombadil, which is so good. So I have it. You can borrow it. When I was I'm gonna done. say I saw that on your debt, like I, I don't know, coffee whatever, table yeah. the other day. And I remember like, it, you could tell you were still reading. Cause I think there was a pen or something in the book. Like, cause it was, and I was just like, there's one that I'm going to steal and <laughs> yeah, pretend that it's mine right. and never give back. Um, no, no, it's so good. And actually the cover is really nice too. Anyway. So yeah, I, I really like the reform pug cast as well. I still listen to uh, all the uh, cross politics stuff. I didn't listen to him before, but he just started a new thing called the rise and fall of the gospel coalition, AD Robles. And that series has been very good. 
And of course, I listen to our boys over at the Ezra Institute. I think I listen to almost all of them. I kind of go on podcast binges like one day a week. I kind of just like I podcast everything. I'm weeks behind. So like I had um, had a long drive the other day. I was driving out of town and I listened to like four of uh, Leadership Now, Dr. Aaron Rock, and he nails it too. So yeah, it's all good. This is content that's only great for me and you right now. But um, do you ever sometimes when when we we, like some of these guys we know in real life, like particularly, you know, a lot of them a lot better. Um, do you ever get like where you want to, you want to be in the conversation? And oh yeah, just, like, all the time. Like, hold on. I, like, this is what I you would know what's say. Funny, though, is the reform podcast is probably it's the theology podcast. See, we've gotten this wrong the whole time because you're thinking of reformed pubcast, which is like the, the one that started it all. But yeah, it's the theology pugcast. Yeah. I'm bad at names. Period. I know. I know. I was just following your lead. That's why everybody's buddy and man to me. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, that's the one that I probably listen to the most religiously. And yet it's the one that I don't want to be in the conversation because they're all so much smarter than me. <laughs> right? It's just like I would have nothing to contribute here. I can't keep up with these guys. So what you're saying is that that's like you, you would be living how it was when we were on cross politic for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, what is going on? I don't everybody? belong. Like, Explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> yeah. So that's us. That's who we are. Actually, it's interesting that we talked about the various podcasts on our network here because I think that they'll all kind of agree with the sentiment of this podcast. Okay, so the the title of this podcast is Gentle and Lowly Are Not Enough. Hmm. Doug Wilson wrote a book a little while ago, I think it was a sermon series first or a teaching series called Reformed is Not Enough. And he was kind of saying like, okay, great, you're a Calvinist, but you know, here's what else you need to be and here's where your theology needs to take you kind of thing. There's been this book that's sort of made its rounds over the last couple of years here. And the book itself is called Gentle and Lowly. That sort of um, subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers, and it's written by Dane Ortland. And this is the book that's been just so highly touted in the last year or so, and it's kind of made its rounds through uh, Gospel Coalition guys and, and just all of that sort of, I would just say, kind of big Eva in southwestern Ontario at the very least. This has been at sort of the top of the, the reading list. And, and it's also, just full disclosure, it's sort of been one of the things that I think in the disagreements that have been some made public and some be behind closed doors in terms of um, the varying ideas of how people should have responded to the pandemic. The group that was far more on the, you know, close your church and do everything you can to protect your congregation side of things. This was the book that they were kind of using to criticize me and Joe Boot and Aaron Rock and Jacob Rayom for our tone, right? That we weren't being gentle or lowly or humble in our tone. So the title of this, Gentle and Lowly is Not Enough. Here's how I'm going to set this up, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of uh, give your preliminary thoughts, because I didn't tell you that we were doing this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I read the book, and the book is fine. The book is, is good. I actually prefer, there's a book by Matthew Henry called A Discourse on Meekness and Quietness of Spirit, which is actually, I think, a very similar book, an older book, and a better book. Yeah, I bought that for my wife. Yeah. Oh. It's a good book, and Dane Ortley did a good job. Here's my thing, though. I think Jesus chastises the Pharisees for not knowing the signs of the times. You know, we all have a tendency to look at the life of Jesus. There's this great essay, or not essay, uh, sermon uh, that was once preached by Jonathan Edwards. It's in a collection of his sermons called Altogether Lovely, but the sermon itself was called The Divergent Excellencies of Christ. And the whole idea of it was that there, in Christ, there are these divergent, excellent qualities 
that seem contradictory, but the, these contradictory characteristics diverge in the person of Christ. So he is, he is the lion and he's the lamb. He is humble, but he is all-powerful. He's meek, and yet he's confrontational, right? And so there are these divergent. How can a guy be both meek and confrontational, right? How can a guy be both humble and all-powerful? How can he have full confidence to say things? It says uh, a couple times uh, throughout the gospel accounts that the people were amazed by his teaching because he spoke as one with authority. How do you speak boldly with authority and yet be humble and gentle and lowly, right? Like, how do you do that? Well, it's because all of the godly characteristics converge in the person of Christ because he's the perfect man. So what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to look at the person of Jesus and pick out the characteristics that we like best. There's a scene, oh man, I might get in trouble for using this analogy. Do you remember the scene in Talladega Nights when they're sitting around the dinner table and he's praying to the little baby Jesus? Yeah, it's my favorite Jesus. Yeah, he's like, that's my favorite Jesus. And he's like, I picture my Jesus wearing like one of those tuxedo t-shirts. He's like, because he's like, you know, ready to party, but he's also kind of formal. So, terrible movie, <laughs> terrible scene. I'm shocked how much you can quote. Okay? Yeah, it is funny. Like, anyway, but there's this idea that we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus and we pick out the qualities that justify our qualities and our position and we, we double down on those. Jesus was meek, lowly. Look at how winsome he was with the woman at the well. And that's how we should be. And then we chastise the Joe Boots of the world for not being gentle and nuanced and, and winsome like Jesus was with the woman at the well. And then they, they forget. And then you have other people who maybe to justify their own aggression in their hearts, they look and they say, well, look at Jesus. He fashioned a whip and he drove out those money changers. You got to be ready to fashion a whip wherever you go and just drive people out. And like not a lot of people want to do the hard work of Where's there room in your thinking and in your public ministry for both the Jesus who drove people out of the temple and the Jesus who interacted with the woman at the well? We do get some other biblical pictures of that same thing too. Like totally think about like Nehemiah building the wall to protect his people with one hand and he's carrying a sword in the other, right? Like, so like he's equally equipped at shepherding his people, protecting his people and defending his people. Yeah. He tears out the beards of the people who, who want to, uh, who, who want to exact property taxes. And yet he's going and, and Oh King live forever when he's actually talking to Artaxerxes there. Yeah, exactly. I think you're bang on. We have a tendency to like rewrite scripture. We like a hermeneutic of, Oh, this is, these are the qualities of Christ that we like. Mm -hmm. And it is, generally one of the two extremes right like the person we all know the guy who's like up for every fight wants to win every yeah. like who's the whip driver and then we also know the the person who's like no jesus would never even com- condemn somebody to the death penalty and it's right. like well god did and jesus is god so yeah. play that out because like, it doesn't make sense it's hard to like be centered on that thing but christ tells us to imitate him right like we we're we're meant to and paul even says like imitate me as i imitate christ yeah what's the imitation then trying to live like he did character and all you know what i mean even Absolutely. though even though you said it we're not perfect we're not going to be like that but that's the goal right is right. to be that's who we're is to be, that's who we're called to imitate uh, exactly to be balanced on, on both of those things blood-bought world is all about this yeah this, that's this, great book this uh, great book. premise right like you have to as a christian man you have to be able to reconcile the jesus who didn't say anything dropped into the sand and started playing in the sand when they were going to stone the um, prostitute or whatever or the adulteress sorry as much as the Jesus who cast out the pigs and, you know, destroyed an entire entire town's like a livelihood. You know what I mean? We have to reconcile. We have to deal with that. That becomes the question. So to back up to your 
title of this episode, which you did not warn me about at all, um, <laughs> that gentle and lowly isn't enough. Amen. It's not enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we also need to be fiery and right. You know what I, mean? I, don't know what yeah. the, I don't know what the opposite like, of gentle- And I'm not trying to be irreverent here, but I am trying to kind of push the envelope a little bit. Like Jesus was a troublemaker, right? Like Jesus, where he went, he made trouble. Like, and you, you mentioned it. And I think Toby Sumter did a great job in Bloodbot World talking about this. He goes to the area of the Decapolis, right? And he sees the demoniac. Jesus could have done anything. He could have destroyed the demons on the spot. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He chose to um, send them into the herd of pigs. And that herd of pigs went down, killed themselves in the ocean. Like what does that large a herd of wild pigs do to the ecosystem there? Who lost their job? Who lost their money? Who lost their livelihood in that encounter? It actually says that he was driven out after that. They didn't want anything to do with him because he just disrupted their entire economy and their ecology. And yet he did all of that to save this one person in the midst of all the chaos of people going, you know, the pig owners coming in and saying like, what happened to my pigs and, and whatever, whatever else. There's this, there's this demoniac who's clothed and in his right mind kneeling in front of Jesus. There's a picture of salvation. There's a calm in the midst of this storm. It's interesting, too, when you think about Paul, I'm thinking about in Galatians. In Galatians, in chapter 4, he talks about when he's there with them. This is in verse 13. He says, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ, Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged your eyes out and given them to me. So he's he's talking warmly to them about the affection and the, the relationship that they have together. And then in the very next chapter, talking about the Judaizers, he says, hey, if you're so passionate for circumcision, why don't you just chop the whole thing off? So there's this guy who's talking and, and he's, he's winsomely trying to write earlier on to those same people, to the Galatians, Paul says, who has bewitched you? Right? Who has you under a spell? And you remember it's the Corinthians who actually, Paul says, you accuse me that when I'm away from you, I, I send bold letters to you. And then when I'm with you, I'm meek and I'm gentle. Paul understood when he needed to be hard and when he needed to speak softly. Sometimes he, he, he spoke softly knowing he carried a big stick because the, the word was on his side. And sometimes he spoke boldly and, and condemned people. One of the things that I think some pastors, and, and this is a generality, so I'm just going to throw it out there and let the Spirit do his work. I think what some pastors have done have hidden behind this book and the idea of our call to be gentle and lowly to defend not being bold when the climate called for them to be bold and courageous. Because elsewhere in Scripture, Joshua is told, be strong and courageous. Don't back down. Don't go to the right or the left. Stand firm. And Jesus chastised the Pharisees for not understanding the signs of the times. What we're saying is that I think the season of pastoral ministry that we're in right now, the season of of faithful Christian living that we're in right now, is actually calling for boldness, for, I would say, being a bit provocative, pushing the envelope, challenging the status quo. I think that's what we're called to right now. And I think that those who are focusing right now solely on gentleness and meekness are sort of missing the signs of the times that we're in we've lost the idea that Christians, like you said, Christ was a troublemaker. I think all Christians that are living a godly life are troublemakers, not because they're causing trouble, but because our worldview is in direct conflict with the world's view around us. So back up to the statement, Jesus is Lord. The flip side of that means that Caesar is not Lord. Therefore, that's a confrontational statement. 
to love something means I have to hate the reverse of that. You yeah, know what I mean? Like that's, that's right. the other side of the coin, which means I'm in conflict against that other thing. So like, I think what we're trying to get at the idea is like, there's this like over realization of gentle and lowly. That means I can't ever be against anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I can't, that I have to be whimsome and kind about everything, even if it is in direct conflict with yeah, what my, really sa- my savior says. And that's not the case. What we're called to be gentle and lowly and, and meek is in our attitudes and our heart conditions of why we're correcting the, those things. Right. It's the, it's the backup to the, take the plank out of your own eyes so that you can, or sorry, take the log out of your own eyes so you can take the plank out of, we first turn the, the big stick like against ourselves, but we do that so that we can correct the world around us. And we should be in conflict with the world around us because we should look different than yeah. them. Friendship you know I mean? with like, the world is enmity with God, right? It, like that's exactly. And like, I think there's like a real good barometer of how you're living as a, as a Christian in your culture. If people are a little bit uncomfortable around you, my family isn't believers, you know what I mean? So, well, like one half is, but I mean like the other half isn't believers. And so like, there's a tangible tension when I'm, Easter dinner or I'm at a Christmas dinner or if I'm just hanging out like where there's just like there's a not a like a line but there is a bit of like there's a line where it's like well now it's like worldview talk and we're talking like we're and we're talking and I'm, and I'm on a totally different end of the spectrum where there, there creates a tension in the in the relationship and I think that's a good thing mm. and I think that's a healthy thing because it means that they can see the difference in me and mm-hmm. they'll ask mm-hmm. you but like no but it's simply because it's like my life is gold in a, in a different way. And I hate using myself as an example, but I mean, like, I think that's a normal, healthy thing. And I think that's what we need to like cultivate when we think of well, and, how to live in this world, right? And think of how disarming and uncomfortable it must have been to be around Jesus. I'm thinking about the encounter that Jesus had with Simon the Pharisee, and I think it's Luke chapter seven, when he's at the table and the woman comes in to wash his feet and Simon thinks, the text says, he thinks to himself, he wouldn't be allowing her to do that if he knew what manner of woman she was. And then the text actually says, and Jesus answered him. <laughs> and like how disarming, right? Jesus reads his thoughts. And he says, I have something to say to you, right? And so here's a guy who in his own self-righteousness, right, wanted a separation between what was considered unclean and dirty in the world and, and himself. So it must have been so disarming to be around Jesus. And you think about just some of the hard things that Jesus said. And I, I think sometimes we forget the context of these things. A guy, I want to follow you, Jesus. I just have to go back and, and bury my father. Let the dead bury their own dead and walks away. Where's the, where, like, where's the, the compassion? Exactly, where's, like, where's the winsomeness? Where's the nuance, Jesus, right? You know, we all love the idea, oh, Jesus came to bring peace. And we are, you know, we love our texts. We're to live peaceably insofar as it, it depends upon us with all people. Jesus also said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide father against daughter and, and or father against son and, and mother against daughter and brother against sister. There are lines that get drawn in the gospels. Think about Jesus. He's, he's got crowds around him, big crowds. Be winsome. You know, be likable, be relatable here, Jesus, because there's a whole lot of people listening to you. What do you got to say? Anyone who's not willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood cannot be my disciple. He says to a kosher society. Jesus said hard things, and he said hard things for shock value, and he said things to kind of shock people out of their paradigms. That's not gentle or lowly. And yet, Jesus was gentle and lowly. He was gentle and lowly when he needed to be, and he was abrasive and hard when he needed to be, right? He called the men effeminate who cover themselves in silk robes. I mean, Jesus had hard things to say. I just don't think that we are pursuing Christ-likeness 
when we're only pursuing one side of his character. And that this cuts on both sides because there are those of us who the inclinations of our heart direct us to other sins and we don't focus at all on the gentle and the lowliness. But I do think that we need to be aware not only of the proclivity to sin in our own heart, the inclinations of our own heart. You know me, I, I love saying you can fall into the ditch on either side of the road here. There is sin on both sides of the road here. But I think we also have to understand the signs of the times in which we're living. And I think now is a time where God is calling men to boldness. Absolutely. I think you're bang on. You have to reconcile the idea of the bold Jesus who would say, leave the dead to bury their dead with the same Jesus who then went and raised the little girl from the tomb. There is time for both. Like yeah. there's a season. And even in relationships with some of our people, there's a time for hard truth. And then there's a time for armor on the shoulder, like guidance. And I think the spirit will direct us when we're in each season. Like you're an interesting case study in this because one-on-one you can be very whimsome, gentle, like compassionate, but from the pulpit, you're not generally, you mean like, I can't like, sorry about that. Um, but I mean, Fair like, but yeah. that would be a time where like boldness is much more what the church in large needs to hear from you when you're preaching through the scripture. You're not shy of being like, LGBTQism is a sin, homosexual. Like, you mean like pointing out things that would be like a lot of people would say it's not, it's not very loving, Nate, to call sin, sin. And and I think one of the things that we've forgotten though, is that it's not, I mean, it can be pride, but it's not necessarily pride or sinful abrasiveness for a, a pastor to stand on the word of God and say, thus declares the Lord, right? When I'm preaching, when I'm teaching and I have the word of God in my hands and I'm applying it to the culture around us. I can very boldly say what the Word of God says without apology because I don't have to apologize for God's Word. One-on-one, when I'm sharing my own thoughts, when I'm sharing my own whatever, there is a difference to it because I'm still, it's the Word of God that informs my thoughts. Absolutely. But it's very different from me standing on the Word of God and just saying it boldly the way it's meant to be preached, you know? Absolutely. So, all right, anything else you want to say on this topic? No, honestly, I think we've said everything that needs to be said there in a very gentle and lowly way. (laughs) I don't know about that necessarily, but I do think, hey, if you want to read the book or if you like the book, read the book, enjoy the book. It's a good one. Um, This is not not an attack on the book. The book is actually okay. But balance it out with uh, a book like Bloodbot World and uh, some of those other books that would emphasize some of the other characteristics of Christ that we're also called to cultivate. At the end of the day, we follow the lion and the lamb. And there are times when his words tear people apart. And there are times when he silently stood before his accusers and took upon himself the sins of all of us. So we're thankful for the times that he is gentle and lowly. And we're thankful for the times that he was ferocious and courageous. Let's try to be like our king. Amen. Amen.